Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all the people at the table. I am one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. Today, we are going to have nothing prepared at all in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> We're just going to randomly roll on some tables and start talking about things. Or we're just going to talk about randomly rolling on some tables. That's what it is. <laughs> and we have an amazing guest with us, Corey Olson, a.k.a., which I'm so excited to say that about someone else because I feel like I'm out here on an island, but now there are oh two people goodness. on this island. <laughs> Corey Olson, a.k.a. the Tolkien Professor, and who is actually the president of Signum University. But before we do that, we've got some five-star reviews. The first one is from USB Lightsaber, and it is entitled To The Point. They say, you ask for ideas, these guys develop them, they really give DMs a lot to think about and enhance their own gameplay and world building. So thank you so much, USB Lightsaber, for that review. I really want to go Google the USB lightsaber now because I assume it's like a flash drive that lights up when you plug it in. But that and if that's sweet. not a thing, then someone should go make it. There we go. I did recently see that there was a phone charger that is the Millennium Falcon and you plug it into your phone and the back of it, uh, the blue strip lights up. And I'm like, that's pretty sweet. Oh, totally awesome. pointless. I don't need that, <laughs> but that's pretty sweet. Probably pointless and very expensive. <laughs> yes. Our next one comes from Canada, America's Top Hat, uh-huh. and it comes from Abanes14, five stars, and they titled it Great Source. It's a great source of information for new DMs and old. Not much else to say. <laughs> Done. Perfect. Perfect. That's yep. a great review. You, stu- you stuck not to the topic. Not much else to say. Perfectly done. <laughs> and with not much else to say, let's head to the meat. Oh, the meat's so much better because we're talking to the Tolkien professor, and then that's the clip we have. Ah, that's great. I'm starving, blah, blah, blah. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The plate meat's back on the menu, boys. For the meat today, we have a super special guest to help talk to us and you about building everything based off of random tables, which I'm super excited. But with us today, we have Corey Olson, the president of Signum University, a.k.a. the Tolkien Professor. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm really busy applying to the master's program right now, but don't worry about it. I won't be too (laughs) distracted. Go on. Uh, So as we do with all of our guests, we have a couple questions to ask you before we start diving into the topic that we're here to talk about today. So the first is that simple question of, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. So I started my podcast, The Tolkien Professor, almost 10 years ago now. That's been a lot of fun. Basically, the, you know, the whole idea of that originally was just to talk with people about Tolkien. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, when I began it, I was uh, an untenured professor and I was kind of sick of just pouring all my time into writing articles that nobody would ever read. And I decided instead to, uh, uh, you know, to start a podcast and actually, you know, engage with folks and, and, and talk to people who I knew would be interested in hearing about Tolkien. And it's just been awesome. And that's what led ultimately to the founding of Signum University. There were so many people out there who were really excited to have the opportunity to, you know, to engage with this stuff that they loved. And, you know, we, I ended up founding a whole university 
ability to do it, which <laughs> seemed a little crazy, actually. Okay, to be honest, still seems a little bit crazy, <laughs> but it's been fantastic. And the master's degree program that we've developed at Signum University is now really one of the, well, I say, you know, it's really one of the foremost fantasy and science fiction master's degrees in the world, really, because I don't think there are very many other master's <laughs> degrees that focus exclusively on fantasy and science fiction. But it's been great. We're a completely online program, which means we have like the best Tolkien scholars from around the world coming in and teaching courses with us. You can study with literally the best people everywhere. You know, we've got a Tolkien studies concentration, an imaginative literature concentration for more sort of general fantasy and sci-fi, Germanic philology, you know, for people who like to follow in Tolkien's footsteps, studying language and everything. It's been really neat. It's been so much fun. That's so good. I mean, because the whole basis of everyone that wants to do anything with this university seems like passion. And it, and like that's like you can see it. It's like, hey, I get to talk about Tolkien. Hey, I get to talk to you about talking about Tolkien. <laughs> we all just get to do it together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Our website is signumuniversity.org, S-I-G-N-U-M university.org. Just uh, go there. We've got, a, we've got a great new website. Look at our application materials and general information about our program and our courses. Uh, of course, you know, one of the other major things, of course, that I should probably mention is that our entire program is designed to be as affordable as possible. We have, in addition to the coolest courses <laughs> in the world, we also have some of the least expensive tuition rates in America. America. So it's that's certainly something else that is uh, that is a, definitely a selling point, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Before we move on to the topic at hand, we have one last question, a surprise question. My favorite from okay. one of our Patreon dragons. This one comes from DM Exectium, who is a platinum dragon. This question that he asks you, Corey, is a tree falls in the forest, but no one is yes. around to hear it. How did it fall? How did the druid find out about it? And what did they do about it? <laughs> okay, well, I was going to say, see, you know, the tree falling in the forest, like with, uh, you know, it's really not possible for nobody <laughs> to hear it, right? Because you have to think about all of the small animals. You that, you know, Because w- once you start your ability to cast, communicate with animals, then, you know, there's really no way we can have no exactly. witnesses to the tree falling okay. in the woods, right? Right. So uh, so how did the Druid find out about it? Well, I think definitely through one of his local squirrel contacts, because obviously this, the, the tree falling in the woods would be a major issue among the squirrel community. And any good local Druid would be in touch with the squirrel community because those people see everything. So he would almost certainly be getting this message through like the squirrel hotline, which would undoubtedly have come through to him. And uh, as for what he does about it, I don't know, I think probably, you know, try to convince the squirrels that it's not the end of the world you know <laughs> which probably they would be thinking right they'd be running around in a panic and he'd have to come along and show them how actually a fallen tree can can also make a perfectly good habitat and indeed there are many other trees around that have not yet fallen so so uh, uh, they should they should not panic I think that would have to be his really his first priority with the greater squirrel community assuming nobody else was injured you know other than the tree uh, in the falling of the tree but uh, this is I think how the dru- druid have to, would have to confront this arboreal crisis in the forest <laughs> that day, yeah. Maybe help them move some of their acorns to the next tree. Uh, I mean, <laughs> exactly, Help them in the yeah. moving and process. <laughs> though, of course, so you'd probably have to do, you'd probably have to do some kind of charisma check, though, right? To make sure that the squirrels would entrust the druid. I mean, like, talking to the druid and keeping him abreast of tree-falling activity is one thing, but actually showing him where their catches of nuts are is really quite a different 
different things. So he would have to, you know, pass some kind of like squirrel trust check, <laughs> right? Clearly to, uh, uh, to, to, to cross that threshold, but you know, we'd see. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, DM Exectium, for that fantastic question, and thank you, Corey, for that awesome answer. So let's get into the topic at hand today. We today are talking about random-generated story, and specifically when we say that, we're talking about random tables, sometimes called random roll tables, for most of them have a rolling effect that you can roll a die and get some sort of random answer to a question that you have or a situation and set that up for your game that you're playing at hand. We're really excited to have you on, Corey, because it's something that you are very, very passionate about. You, you've said off-air this is one of your favorite parts to Dungeon Master. It really is, yeah. One thing we want to talk about is that there is some controversy around random roll tables because some DMs out there think that it is maybe lazy. Mm-hmm. It is for the dungeon master who doesn't prepare anything. And so that's the only thing that they prepare. Some DMs look at that much like I would say, maybe to a lesser degree, the DMPC and just say, nope, can't use that if I'm going to be a real dungeon master. Let's address that to right. begin with and our thoughts on that. Well, okay. So I, I can understand, it, it would seem to me that one of the biggest issues with using random tables is... Basically, either they're not going to be that useful or you're not going to have, like, really good continuity. That is, I can understand the fear about that, right? That, uh, you know, if you're going into a situation and, and you're determining what happens randomly or you're, 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 re- you're truly randomly determining what people find when they come into a room or come into a dungeon, that it's going to end up just being completely like zany and eclectic and it's not going to be a really it's not going to be a, a really consistent story. I can certainly understand people sort of worrying about that. But the f- first and foremost thing is it's about getting outside my ruts, right? Let me give an illustration. I suck at NPCs. I mean, I'm really <laughs> bad at NPCs. When I'm creating an NPC, there are like four NPCs that I create that like show up absolutely everywhere, you know? It's like it's the the surly guard or like the cheerful bartender or you yeah, know, like, always going uh, to the tropes. Yeah, it's a difficult exactly. thing. Exactly. And even personality wise, you know, even like you catch yourself doing the same voices and mm-hmm. everything, you know, and especially when I'm thinking on the fly, it's hard to just break out of like really stereotyped tropes or or again, like my own personal favorite kind of go to NPC personalities or something like that. What I always found was my greatest limitation was coming up with like new, nuanced, interesting, you know, NPCs and NPC backgrounds in order to give these sort of dynamic character, you know, opportunities, interaction opportunities to the PCs. So for me, randomly generated tables are the key to that because it's, it, it gets me out of my own ruts. It gets me out of, you know, the patterns in which I normally think and challenges me to come up not to just mindlessly use random things and throw random elements together, but to build a story based on things which are not just like the normal track of my mind. You know, this whole process to me, there's no, there's nothing I find more entertaining than, than this. And in part because this is exactly what I do, in fact. I was kind of reflecting on this recently. Devising stories as a DM from randomly generated tables is exactly like what I do when I'm reading Tolkien. Like, you know, in my teaching life, right? What it means to like read literature and talk about literature is you, you, you've got a set 
a received set of things, right? The text says certain things. So certain things happen, certain characters say certain, certain things. If you're trying to answer a question, right? You know, so somebody asks a question, a Tolkien question, you know, the, you know, like, let's talk about Hobbit's relationship to food, right? Okay, so, you know, what do Hobbits think about food? Well, how do you answer that question? Well, how you answer that question is you go through and you say, like, what's the data, right? Where does this come up in the text? Let's look at passages in the text that talk about this. And then let's, let's kind of put those together and let's see what is the overall pattern here, right? How do we put this together and to shape it into a story, you know, an answer that, that, uh, that answers that question that holds together and makes sense and fits with all the data points that we can see in the text, right? That, that's the whole game. It's the same game. <laughs> with randomly generated tables, right? We, you get a set of data, and then you get, to, you get the fun of putting them together and coming up with a story that fits all of those pieces. So back to the NPC thing. Here's what I do now, uh, and I have an almost absurd amount of fun with this. I use Roll20 a lot in, in DMing, so I've actually set up a bunch of rollable tables for myself. What I'm about to describe sounds really complicated, but <laughs> in Roll20, it makes it really easy because I just have to click like five buttons in a row and it pops up, you know, my my results. So I've created these random parameter tables for NPC, for NPC so I can roll a completely random NPC, right? I randomly determine the age, gender, race of an NPC plus their moral status, like are they an unscrupulous person? Are they really honest? You know, are they somewhere, you know, are so, where on that spectrum are they? What is their general personality profile, right? Like kind, generous, grouchy, mean, you know, it would, and physical attractiveness, because that helps me come up with a description, right? So, okay, so I'm coming in, I've got a tavern keeper, right? So I, I click my six buttons, six buttons for those six tables, and I come up with a beautiful 17-year-old half-elf woman, who, who has weak morals and is very grouchy by temperament. <laughs> and so now immediately my challenge is, okay, so what's the story here? Well, uh, you know, I look at this and I say to myself, well, obviously the first question is, why on earth is a 17-year-old girl the tavern keeper, right? Why is there a 17-year-old half-elf girl keeping this tavern? And so now my, immediately, oh, wait, I'm sorry, I forgot there was one other table, which is like general circumstances. Like, is this person happy? Are they, like, have they had a tragic life? You know, what, what, what are the general circumstances of the person? Um, and so for this, for this person, I rolled that she had really, really, really good circumstances, really pleasant circumstances. <laughs> so my first impulse is like, okay, 17-year-old girl running a tavern, she's probably an orphan, right? Her parents ran the tavern, both of her parents died, and now the 17-year-old girl is struggling to try to... But, but no, because I rolled that she was from, like, comfortable, uh, happy circumstances. So I'm like, okay, a 17... Why? So immediately, I start formulating this really complicated backstory. Like, it immediately starts coming... Okay, no, okay, no, wait. She's from... Because it's, it's actually in a fairly wealthy region. So she comes from a wealthy family and a really secure background, but her father was like a, a self-made man, right? He was, he, he was from a poor background, and so he wanted her to, like, not just be a rich girl, you know, but, like, learn to, like, work... So he bought 
bought this tavern <laughs> and set her up as the tavern keeper. Uh, and but and but she's also really attractive. So now I get into this whole new like now this whole the whole tavern has this new flavor, right? Because obviously her rich dad who bought this tavern for her is going to have like a bunch of bouncers there to make sure to protect the virtue of his daughter, right? And the the waitresses are probably in his pay as well, and they're probably spying on her to make sure you know what she's doing and she's not getting up to anything crazy. From this, these randomly generated roles that I did for, this is so far from the generic stock NPC that I would normally have made. Now I not only have this really complicated character, who, by the way, is obviously really grouchy just because she's she's <laughs> kind of a spoiled girl and she's sick of men hitting on her because she's really attractive. Like, I, I rolled that she was not, like, devastatingly gorgeous, but <laughs> but very attractive. So that, that you know, that's going to be an issue, obviously, at the tavern as well. So I, I now have this really dynamic, interesting character with a full family history background, and it took me, like, two minutes to come up with all of this stuff. And now I've got all this potential, like, for the, you know, DMs out there, obviously, you can imagine Imagine all the potential plot lines for this, yeah. right? Like, what happens if, like, the bouncers at the pub get the wrong? Like, if one of the PCs flirts with the with the tavern keeper, right? Now we can have all kinds of possibilities of the, you know, the father's heavies coming after him later on, and we've got the, you know, who knows what's gonna, you know, what kind of plot lines could emerge with the rich dad behind the scenes, and 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 all of that just came from. You know, these these random roles, the kind of random tables that I dislike are the ones that try to tell you everything right that try to make the whole story for you. Those do, I find, get a little bit clunky. And some of the some of the randomly generated tables in the Dungeon Master's Guide are like that, you know, where where they'll give you like a several different kinds of plots that you can do. And if you try to put those too many of those all together, it, it does get a little bit awkward and, and, and kind of uneven. My favorite ones are the ones like I was describing that just give you pure elements, right? Just sort of individual data points that you can put together. Many of the, the Dungeon Master's Guide tables work really well for that, I find. I'm especially fond of the randomly generated tables in the appendices of the uh, of the Dungeon Master's Guide for, for dungeon creation and stuff. And I've had some, some real really funny and hilarious <laughs> randomly generated rooms uh, that have come out of that. But it's just, I find that this is such a great way to challenge yourself as a DM to come up with stories and to come up with fun stories and to really, to get out of your rut. I mean, again, if you're anything like me, uh, every encounter starts to sound the same. You know, every town starts to look the same and players start to stop even thinking about it. You know, the, the, when encounters with an NPC, you know, when interactions with an NPC, they can tell when they're interacting with the stock P uh, NPC, right? The NPC himself doesn't matter. Um, the encounter doesn't matter to the players. And so they stop even treating it like a human being and you stop role playing. Basically, you're just like, now we're going through the mechanics of whatever we're doing, going to a store, you know, trying to find information in order to, to you know, move along on, on, on our adventure traje trajectory or whatever. Um, but, you know, being able to make the whole thing into a into a really dynamic world that they're interacting with uh, again t t uh, for me it's that it's that story connection that is really the the essential element of it and again I just find there's no greater aid to my own imagination than these kind of random details that you then can uh, take and incorporate and run with I think that hits the nail on the head right there is that you know addressing the controversy of it is that there's a way to look at it as lazy DMing and there's a way to look at it yes. as an aid to spurring on imagination. And I mean, exactly. you just gave a bunch of great examples of, you know, if 
I were not to use this random table. And maybe some DMs out there are just going to say it's not for me and I want to be able to do that by myself. But I think that it can be a huge aid into making you push yourself further and go, oh, that's something that I would have never thought of. Let me expound upon that more and create more and more of a plot with that. And I think in the end, as well as that, I think that there is something we set about the DMing, the storytelling style that this could be extremely helpful for. Back in our episode with DM Reed from the Sneak Attack podcast, we talked about all different, like what is your storytelling style that you fall into the most as a DM? And we talked about linear and strict, linear and loose. And a lot of our listeners came up and said, I'm a linear and loose type But I think that there was also a good call for the sandbox type game. And I know a lot of players out there specifically that I've run into really enjoy a sandbox like game because they feel that that's giving them so much more agency. But a sandbox game is, let's be honest, (laughs) extremely difficult to prepare for as as a DM because every time we DM. You're always opening the door for your players, and it will always happen where they go (laughs) to point Z when you had A, B, and C planned out, and you're just like, I'm not prepared for this. And that's where that improvisation comes from, and that, like, coming up with all these things that we're discussing. But in a sandbox campaign, you are saying to your players, hey, (laughs) wherever you want to go is great. I don't, like, and, and a lot of us as DMs, have these things that we want to do sandbox, but a lot of the times we do a sandbox box type game that is a structured sandbox of, I have three options. This is what I'm giving right. to you. Yeah. Right. But to truly right. open exactly. it up is a challenge. And I think this is the kind of thing that random, random roll tables is great for. It's, it's the idea of preparation without there being preparation. And we yes. are not, because because we've said it many times on this podcast, we are not saying don't prepare for your games. We believe in preparing for your games. But having a table there is allowing you to kind of be prepared for those situations where your players go off the go off the tracks. Which will, which will always happen. <laughs> which will always happen, yeah. Yeah, you'll bring up the concept of even if you are the kind of person that wants to try and railroad the players clear to the most open of sandboxes and you don't even have options. It is literally, this is a world and I will try and create it as you get it under your feet. Does not matter. When you open the door, they're going to break through the wall every single time. Uh, <laughs> which is like why you need it. Yeah, the It's why you need all the tables because you're going to go this place anyways. Like if you have this idea and this thing, like it's like you said, um, the tool, it's a tool that you are going to have to use because your players are going to go somewhere that you're not ready for. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is this is always what I call recalling a very memorable event in my own DMing career from from several decades ago when I was in college, actually. Some of my friends in college who were playing a campaign that I was co-DMing. So, yeah, this is the the phenomenon I always call setting fire to the major to the mayor house. I had, you know, my co-DM and I had planned this entire storyline, right? And we had spent hours and hours and hours preparing this. 
And then in this one session, our players ended up setting fire to the mayor's house. And the entire story was out the window. Like, you know, because we had to respond to that. And this was like the mayor they were supposed to be assisting in the entire <laughs> plot line, right? And instead, like, the players are on the lam. You know, we've got the whole guards turned out to try to chase them down. And the campaign was, it was a great campaign, but it never came anywhere near to the plot line that we had created. And this is the main thing that I would say, you know, thinking as you were suggesting about, um, about preparation. Far from, uh, you know, far from uh, sort of increasing your preparation, really, it, it saves you. If you're trying to, you know, because exactly as you guys have been saying, if you pour your heart and soul into a particular storyline, you know, into preparing things, your players are not going to play along with that very likely, you know. And if they do, because you're not writing a novel, right? You're, you're DMing a game, so, so the things aren't in your control. So I honestly do think that the best thing you can do to prepare, rather than trying to sort of script everything and work everything out that, that, that can happen is to instead focus your preparation on devising flexible apparatuses like this, because it, it, it can still guide you. It's, it's a random table, but of course, in some ways, I think that that word is a little bit loaded, right? It's random in the sense that, you know, you're going to get a random outcome for you're, you're going to randomly roll on the table, but it's not ran. It's not truly random. Like you're the one who decides what's on the table, <laughs> right? You decide what the options are. And so therefore you can customize it. True. And who says you need to roll? If you see an option yeah. you love, grab it and be like, yeah, Oh man, I'm not going to roll for this because like, because I see this thing and this sparks my imagination. And I think that's exactly Absolutely. what we, what we're saying here is the benefit to having something like this at your side is it is it is not there to dictate the way your story needs to go. It's there to spark your DM imagination and say, right. here's an idea that will hopefully lead you down this road with many new brilliant ideas that you are coming up with on your own. Absolutely. You know, there have been a lot of times when I've come into a situation and I've my first thought is, man, I don't have any ideas about what I want here. And I roll on the random table and the result I get, I hate it. Right. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want. And so looking at this, I suddenly realize, yeah. no, wait, obviously I do have a, uh, an idea about this <laughs> because I know that's not it. Right. And so as soon as I see it, my reaction against it will tell me, no, what I really want here is this other thing. Right. And so and, you know, and so again, it, even in that kind of a negative way, sometimes it can spark uh, your own your own thinking there. But I would say even going back to more linear campaigns, um, randoms, I, I, I still always like using random results, even with within the context uh, of a linear story. Again, you can control the parameters, right? As the DM, you can control the parameters. So you can make random tables serve a linear model. So for instance, uh, just small ways in which I do this. I really prefer, if I can, to make things like NPC reactions to determine those randomly, because again, I get into ruts, right? Like the, you know, this, the, the, the things that I like to say, or the things that, you know, the, I'll, I'll end up doing like, again, they you know, sort of like the same hokey voice for everybody. So if it, if, if not everybody is responding the way that I would respond in that situation, it makes the story much richer. So what I'll do is I'll come up with, with like 
three options. Here are like the three things that this, that this that this person might say. And I'll do like a quick estimate in my head. Usually I just do it. I, I won't make up a table in advance. I'll just do it on a single dice roll. Right. Uh, so I'll, I'll do something like, OK, I'm going to roll a D12. I usually do a D12 because, I mean, hey, you don't usually get a chance to roll a D12. So <laughs> I, so I'll, I'll roll a D12 and I'll be like, OK, so I think, you know, there are three options. One of them is really the much more likely like this is the one I would normally have done if it had just been me coming up with it. So I'll make that one the dominant one. Um, but I'll have I'll have like also two slightly more extreme reactions like, you know, so probably the NPC is going to be like, uh, you know, uh, yes, thank you very much. I will help you however I can, right? That's probably what the NPC is going to say, right? But there's a small chance that the NPC is going to, like, be resentful for what they're doing and a small chance that that he's going to have a much more exuberantly positive response than I had been planning, right? So I'll say, okay, I'm going to roll a D10. If it's a 1 or 2, it's the resentful NPC, right? If it's a 3 <laughs> through 10, it's the the standard thank you answer that I was probably going to give anyway. But if it's an 11 or 12, it's like the unexpectedly positive answer. So I'll usually do that so that I put the NPC responses or or whatever it is on a on a spectrum like that and I'll do a roll and then I'll I'll go with it, right? And that element of randomness to again to break me out of my own sort of clichés and keep it from just being them having this continual uh, and sort of uh, monotone interaction with me personally, I find that I really thrive on the challenge of... I love sticking with the dice roll no matter what happens, you know, and just just to just to sort of accept yep. that as a challenge and say, like, well, OK, you know, because the, the most exciting question for me to answer is the question like, well, why would that happen? Like, I'd, like, I can't understand why he would say why he would react this way. But there's got to be a reason. Right. So I can come up. I'm, I'm sure I can come up with a reason. Right. And make a story out of it. And that can again, that's where you get into stories where even in a linear game context, um, where it becomes a voyage of discovery for you, the DM, as well as for the players. And that just gets really, really interesting. Yeah, that was going to be one of the, my biggest points about this whole thing is that, you know, and, and we've talked about it and hinted at it before, that DM burnout is a really big thing. And essentially, if what you're doing is you're preparing a ton and you're getting it to your players, they're not using it, you're feeling bad, then the next week you go do the same thing. With this, it yeah. adds an element of randomness and excitement for you as the DM because you're not 100% sure what the story is going into it. But like we've said, you can stage as much of the table as you want because it could be a D4, it could be a D1000, like anywhere in between, which... A D one thousand. I uh, wish I owned a D one thousand. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally <laughs> random. On the forums, uh, DM main prize posted a thousand magic items. He figured oh out a goodness. random generator and created one thousand. So if you want to go use a D one thousand, you can find that on our forums. Uh, there you go. But just like you, that variance of how structured and set up the table is in the first place, and that you as the DM are excited because you don't know what's going to happen. This goes back to even one of the first things that you said, Corey, with one of the reasons maybe some DMs out there wouldn't like this is because of the zany, was the word you used, things that can come right. out of that and not wanting their right. campaigns to have that zany aspect. But I got to I gotta be honest here, and I've said this on the podcast before, I am a linear and loose DM. That's how I, how I like to DM, although I do try to do sandbox every now and then to challenge myself and to appease my players. But even in my linear and loose style games, it's always, always, even when I'm going for the 
the campaign that has maybe a more darker feel or a more serious feel, it is always the NPC that my players wanted to go to a <laughs> shop that I wasn't prepared for or find an, <laughs> an acolyte of Procon named Stephen Creel that wasn't prepared for that becomes the most zany because I had to just pull him out of that unnamed place that I wasn't prepared to have him. <laughs> and like, it's right. always that character that my players make the best friends with. And that mm-hmm. character who I didn't prepare for becomes a pivotal part of my story. And if that character dies, my players sometimes are literally in tears over. And that is, <laughs> I think that is something that is to be said about a randomly generated rolling table is that to look at it and say nothing good could come out of it is to really, I think it's one it's, it's saying I can't do anything with this. And I think you can do things with it and you can embrace that zany, even if it is zany. And like we said, you don't even need to embrace the zany. If you just say, I'm not going to do the random roll, but I'm going to pick the things I like. But sometimes embracing the zany, the ridiculous, the crazy, like, is the greatest part of this. And we live in a world where the zany exists. It's okay to have zany in a campaign sometimes. It's okay to have crazy. It's okay to have weird and random. Like sometimes that is the most beautiful part of a story. Yeah, absolutely. Embracing the zany can really be, I mean, because you can make it through your own creativity. You can make it work. You can make it fit. And it will have random things like that. That is the flavor of real life, you know, like because that's how life is. Like people are weird, right? <laughs> and when you go into a town, yes, they you're gonna are. find like random weird people in random yes. weird situations, and it's what makes it seem so much fun. It's what makes it seem real. So, I mean, again, and how like, much I, weirder are they gonna be in a world with magic and creatures walking around that exactly. are weird in themselves? And yes, exactly. <laughs> if you're worried, if you're running a, a linear game, and you're worried that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna get results that are going to be not helpful in kind of keeping things along, you know, in moving along the story that you're trying to tell, you can customize your own stuff. You know, it's a really important element of preparation rather than, again, rather than scripting things, right? Rather than saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to devise like encounter by encounter and sort of plan out all the things that are going to happen. If instead you pour some of that time into making some really good tables that you can roll on, right? Every option of which you've done a little bit of thinking. I, t- I tend not to do D1000 tables uh, with things like this. <laughs> They're not advised by us D1000 either. I'm saying they can exist. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I would tend to do something like, you know, so for like an encounter table, for instance, rather than saying, okay, first they're going to meet a bunch of kobolds, right? Then they're going to meet a bunch. You know, instead, I would say I would make up a table where I'd probably do a D20 roll, Right. But I'd have maybe six options and I would weight those based on what seems to me most likely in that area or whatever. Right. So, you know, they're probably going to meet kobolds, but hey, like could be a bugbear. You never know. Right. So I'll have maybe a 10 percent probability that it that it comes out bugbear and a 30 percent probability that it comes out kobolds or whatever. Right. It's still part of the world that you're making. It's still part of the story that you're making. It'll still it'll still serve that, but it will be fresher for you. And it, again, it has more of that sort of real life, real life experience. And and I would encourage people not, not to be too quick 
to reject the results of the random table. You know, again, to go back to my example of my 17-year-old half-elf tavern keep, keeper girl, right? I almost rejected that one. I'm like, oh, come on, that just doesn't fit, right? This is like a failure of my tables. But, <laughs> but I was like, no, actually, it's not a failure of my tables. This is really interesting, right? And all of a sudden, like, here we have this, you know, it only took me a couple minutes thought to come up with, uh, again, not only sort of a situation, but the whole story and how this all works and fits together. And it and it, and, and it became a really interesting, uh, you know, that tavern is now a fascinating kind of place, right? And with lots of things that can happen. So again, if you want to go the sandbox direction, you know, you, you never, you can't, you could end up with this whole plot line that, you know, like the tavern keeper's father could become like the dark and sinister, you know, puppeteer figure in the background of a whole series of encounters and adventures that they choose to go on. Or again, you know, it could end up working out totally. They could not interact with any of them at all, and it's fine. But then, you know, I've not wasted a whole lot of time preparing, right? What I have is potential encounters, not things that I've gone through and scripted out, right? But I have this background and I know this background. And of course, you'll notice with that one NPC that I rolled up, I got like four or five others for free, <laughs> right? Because I, I, now I have all this other, uh, these other things. And again, that, having that kind of depth in a town that your characters go to is so great for storytelling. You know, when you really know, that, so, you know, there are five people in the tavern and three of them, you know their names and you know what their jobs are and their backgrounds and what they're doing. Um, and that kind of work can be really laborious at times. But again, I find that uh, if, if you have these kinds of tools, the, these random tables that you make up as tools that will give you, uh, like, like the ones that I have, that give me all the different personality and background profiles on the NPCs, you can make some fascinating stuff. So. so we've had a really great discussion on random roll tables and ways that these can benefit you as a DM in your campaign. For listeners out there who are DMs that maybe don't use random roll tables on a normal basis or maybe even more importantly have never used them before or maybe even more importantly have something against them and have never used them before, what would our, like the, that last piece of advice be to maybe say give it a try from each of us? What would that be? The main advice that I would give is draw up a few simple tables. Take the planning that you would normally do, right, whether it be an encounter planning, an NPC, you know, uh, uh, an NPC, whatever it is, and in place of the one thing you would normally prepare, think of three quick options, right? Decide which one you think is most likely. Make up a quick table, maybe a D10 table, D20 table, whatever. Again, as I said, you you can weight it, right? So you can decide which one is going to be most probable to happen. So just start really simple. Mm. Make up just a few options like that. And then instead, be willing to, to roll on that and, uh, and, and take the outcome. Again, you've made the outcomes, right? So it's not like something's being forced on you. And then, of course, that's a table then that you could use again in another similar circumstance uh, when that comes up. So just start simple. Don't feel like you've got to force yourself to do something really hugely complicated. Don't think you've got to use the D1000 table, <laughs> right? Just think of it as a way to give a little bit of sort of flare of the unexpected and excitement even even for you. But again, it doesn't have to be too much, either too much in preparation or too much in unexpected randomness. Try starting small would be my main advice. I think the gut reaction of people that might not like the idea is the assumption that you have to use it at the table during a session. That's not true. You could use it 
during your preparation and then you're going to branch out because you're using options that aren't your go-to. And another great way to do it is go get a table that somebody else made. And then because they're that now you're using their ideas and getting you out of what you would normally think of. And again, if you don't like it, roll again right? <laughs> or find someone else's table and you're like, I'm done with this. But yeah, definitely I would advise trying to get out there and get someone else's table once you're comfortable with the idea. That way it's stretching you even more as a DM because you're using someone else's ideas to help spur your own and put into your own game. I think for me, we are always an advocate on this podcast for preparation as a DM. But one thing we've also been known to say is that there is absolutely a point of over preparation. Yes. (laughs) You know, if you're out there and you are planning every NPC that you're going to think that your players are going to run into, that's a little bit over preparation. And I think that these tables can be the fantastic asset to you as a DM to say, I'm going to take a little bit of work off. I'm going to focus on the things that are more important to me. And then when they come up to that bartender and I haven't planned who that bartender is, that is not only going to be okay, but it's going to allow me to use something like this to expand my improv skills and my storytelling skills. Uh, Even in my campaign right now where we are doing a campaign where the PCs are using monsters to do battle in arenas, I have just like done the past arena battle we did. I planned out every single monster encounter with the other, uh, the enemies they were going to do. And now I'm like, man, why didn't I just use a random encounter table? Because that would have just made it so much easier for me in, in prep. So I think that's, I think those are the moments, especially where you as a DM should try and do this. So now that we've got all of that, if people wanted to get a hold of you, Corey, or just learn more about all of the amazing things that you're doing, what are the best avenues that they could do that with? The primary one is the Signum website, signumuniversity.org. You can contact me through that as well. Um, If you send an email to info at signumuniversity.org, that'll come to me uh, and my people. So you can can definitely get in touch with me that way. But yeah, I would strongly recommend go to signumuniversity.org university.org check out our uh, our courses and our program of course i also do a number of free things you know that outside the normal the 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 tuition structure of our normal courses at signum um i do a lot of public education stuff which is basically like uh you know my my original podcast stuff so i have the mythgard academy series where i go through it's basically like an online book club people elect uh the books that we're going to read and we 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 discuss our way through them together uh i began in January doing a long-term, a very long-term <laughs> discussion through the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I'm going through the Lord of the Rings practically paragraph by paragraph, actually, mm-hmm. just oh, to wow. give an idea wow. there. I, I do once a week for an hour and a half session uh, every Tuesday night. We began in the on the on the Tuesday, the first Tuesday of January, which happened to be January 3rd, Tolkien's birthday. Uh, so we started that we started the the long expected party on January 3rd, the day before yesterday in April. We just started chapter four. Boy, Corey, I hope you finish that before you kick the bucket, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That session is job security. But uh, um, 
and of course, an, another fun element of my, the, the Tuesday night sessions uh, called Exploring the Lord of the Rings uh, is um, I host it within the Lord of the Rings online video game, and I do an in-game field trip at the end of it. That class is streamed on our Twitch channel, actually. Uh, so that's another place where you can see a bunch of the stuff that I do. If you go to our Signum Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash SignumU, S-I-G-N-U-M-U. Uh, so you can see a bunch of my broadcasts there, and I do a bunch of uh, sort of streaming with commentary and uh, and uh, Tolkien discussion in the context of the Lord of the Rings Online there as well. So thank you so much for joining us on the show. We'll have to have you back sometime soon. I, I would love to have you on to discuss some Tolkien esque things with DMing. Uh, but thank you for joining us on the show. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is great. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode on randomly generated storytelling. Neil, if our listeners would like to get in touch with us, if they'd like to send us an email up to a random roll table that they've fallen in love with or tell us some zany story about when they used random roll table or just anything in general, where can they reach us at? We would absolutely love to get those emails and you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And if you feel so inclined, you can also head over to iTunes and give us whatever review you want, of course. But if you do a five star, we will read it out here on the air. And that also helps get us in front of more people. I was going to say eyes, but again, you can't read a podcast. Ah, let's Aha. get us to 300. We're almost there. Maybe we'll do something special at 300 like we did at 200 reviews. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. If you want to have a place to go and get updates about the show, to get memes, to get polls, go to either or both of those. We have a Patreon member shout out of the week. And this week's Patreon member shout out goes to DJG. Thank you so much, DJG. DJG yes, is you. a bronze dragon. So, Neil, DJG gets to listen to all of our bonus pod content. But thank you so much for yes. that support. We appreciate it. And as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can go check out other amazing shows like the GM Showcase, Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more. But that's it for this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. Good night. And good luck. Keep on dungeon mastering. DJG! Where were you? What? Were you not saying it with me? No, I was. Did you not hear me? What? No, it totally cut out. I'm like, dang, leave me in No, no. If anything, I think we were so synced up because it sounded like we hit it at no the exact... Way. No, yeah. That... Oh, I ruined it. <laughs> All right, here we go again. All right. Goodbye.